today on It's Time. We always remember that anything we've really ever received, we've received from God. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 Timothy. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. Bible says he will bruise his heel. That's a, that you, you'll recover from a heel wound, but a wound to the head is fatal. And the and God says, through you, Eve, you're going to have a child that's going to bruise Satan's head. It's going to take him out. Some people equate this verse to that. That nevertheless, she will be preserved in childbirth. And again, going down through the history of ages, if they continue in faith, love, holiness, and self-control. Subsequent childbearing will bring about and had brought about the Messiah and all of us here today. I think that's a pretty good and I think it's a pretty reasonable explanation for it. There are some that have read this and said, nevertheless, she will be saved in child or preserved in childbearing or birth. In that there were so many women who died at childbirth. We look in the Bible. We see many uh, that, were, that, that had died in childbirth, uh, the, the uh, woman having the baby. Because it was part of the curse. And so God lightened that curse that, that, that in pain you'll bear children. Some people take it that way. I think that's a possibility as well. I just presented the information, pray about it, how God moves it to you. Well, when we move into chapter 3, we get a little bit more information here on how things work. The respective role. Men should always be praying all the time that we should not be, be mean or violent, but always kind. Women... Um, be there to support. Don't necessarily let your beauty be on the outside. Let it be on the inside. Let things in the church be done decently in order. No women pastors. Again, that doesn't mean that women occasionally can't teach men. But the idea is usurping the authority. Then he goes on. He says, this is a faithful saying. Chapter 3, verse 1. If a man desires has a, literally a, a, an intense desire is what this means. To be in a position of a bishop or a pastor, he desires a good work. Now, that is a good work, and I think one of the things we have to realize, it is work. A lot of times people think a pastor only does Sunday morning and then goes and plays golf the rest of the week. Well, I know some that do that. I am not one of those. Um, but the Bible says here, it's a good work. It's a good desire to have. Now, I think a lot of times, I've always said this, if a person wants to be a pastor, either one, 
They don't know what being a pastor really is, or they're crazy. Uh, because I have been called to the hospital at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I've done a lot of weddings and some of yours and funerals for some of your friends and family on uh, weekends. Uh, you give up your weekends. You give up your Friday nights and Saturday nights sometimes. Uh, that's okay. I don't mind that because that is part of what God has called us to do. But it isn't just where, oh, I just hang out all week and I don't do anything. No, it says you desire a good, and here's the word, work. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with work. Especially if you're going to do something, do it for the glory of God. The Bible says no matter what we do, we do it to the glory of God. So that doesn't matter whether I'm painting houses, painting a car, or, or uh, being a pastor. We do the best job we can because it reflects the glory of God in everything that we do. The second thing he says, a bishop then must be blameless. Everybody's going to be blamed for a lot of stuff. The bottom line is just don't have a true. The husband of one wife. Now, this is a carryover from Leviticus 21 in the Old Testament that uh, said that a, a priest couldn't be a polygamist. Um, it means the husband of one wife. Now, the, the actual Greek word here means a one-woman man. So, in other words, not a flirt. Not a, it just means you're devoted to one woman. I think that's great. It's not talking about divorce because we know that uh, Moses, as an example was married to Zavorah, and then we find that, that uh, uh, they had a, a marital spat recorded for us in the Bible where he was on his way to Pharaoh after God spoke to him out of the burning bush. He was on his way to Pharaoh, and the Bible says God sought to kill him. I get this question all the time on every man and answer. Why would God commission Moses to go to Pharaoh, and then when Moses is on his way to go to Pharaoh, God sought to kill him? Well, it's because, as we read on, he married a pagan woman, evidently, named Zephora, and he did not circumcise his kids. Well, they began to discuss this. The Bible says that she circumcised her sons. I'm not, you don't make this stuff up. I always wonder, why don't they make Christian movies like this? Anyway, no, no, no. Um, she then throws the foreskins from the circumcision at Moses and screams, you're a bloody husband to me. Last we ever hear about her. The next thing we find, a little farther up, Moses is married to an Ethiopian woman, a black woman. So, uh, by the way, that's one of the first interracial marriages you'll find, and it was Moses. So when we look at this, we realize a couple of things. A, a bishop must be blameless. Now, here's why we have to read these words carefully. The husband of one wife. Now, if you didn't read this carefully, you would say then, if a minister is not married he cannot be a minister because he's a husband of one wife. It talk, talks about, that would mean, by the way, Paul the Apostle evidently at this time wasn't married. So that would make his uh, uh, preaching null and void. Jesus wasn't married. That would make his ministry null and void. In fact, we go back through and we'd see this about Daniel. We'd see this about many people. So we have to understand Going back and understanding the carryover from Leviticus. By the way, primary Leviticus, 
dealt with the physical properties. He couldn't have any diseases to be a priest. He couldn't have uh, any, uh, uh, he, he couldn't be married to a foreign woman. All, all these different things. It dealt with the outside. What's interesting here in chapter 3, it deals with the inside. And that's what really uh, God's grace and mercy always does. It deals with the inside, not so much on the outside. It, it's really easy to, to mess around with things on the outside, but the, the inside is what's important. He says to be temperate. Uh, that means um, kind of even keel. Doesn't fly off the handle easy. Sober-minded. Uh, you, you think things through. Of good behavior. Hospitable. Able to help people and, and reach out to people. Able to teach. Those are all good things. And, and by the way, that would tell me if you're able to teach, you're going to be knowing God's word. Because when you teach, what else would you teach? Not given to wine. Now, this is an a important thing. We actually had uh, some people. I wasn't here. I was in Arizona. But we had some people here. Guys caused the church split. Because one of the ministers gets up and says, I believe ministers can drink in direct violation of this. And led a lot of people away. There was posting saying their wives love to drink. And so they, they caused a lot of problems. We're still recovering from that. Um, and, and so uh, drinking pastors is going to be a problem. You want to stay away from anyone that does that. By the way, the other pastor was a polygamist. And he failed to read chapter uh, 3, verse 2 husband of one wife. Again, speaking of polygamy. So, those were issues. It's part of our history. I can't hide it, but I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't ignore it either. Um, not given to wine. Why is that? Um, what you need is an Ephesians 5th. I always tell people, you want to drink? Get an Ephesians 5th. What's that? The Bible says in Ephesians 5, be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. Uh, because why do people drink? Well, two things. They either want to forget or they want to be altered. Well, I, I believe being filled with the Spirit will alter you more than any other one thing you can ever do. So I think it's good. Uh, so being filled with the Spirit is what we're, we're called to do by God. The second thing is that we want to forget. What does the Bible say? Casting all your cares on him, he cares for you. Uh, I, I really believe that we need to, once again, go back and just let God be God in our life. He says, not given to wine, not violent. Um, some of your Bibles, Old King James, will use the word striker there, but it means what it says. In other words, strike them, literally. It says that they would be not greedy for money, uh, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not selfish, not covetous. I want what you've got. And I don't care if I've got to ruin your reputation to get it. I'll get it one way or the other. I know ministers like that. They will take and try to ruin you so they can take what you have. Terrible. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. This would probably eliminate a lot of them, too. You know, you always hear about uh, PKs, preacher kids, or brats running around. You know, I mean, see, see when, I remember talking to uh, a well-known pastor. And I was going over this with him. And I just asked him, I said, I got a question for you. I said, I read this. 
what do you think? And he says, well, Mike, to tell you the truth, probably everybody's disqualified. It's true. So then what is it? It's Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one that qualifies us. If we see something here that is not in line, we repent from it and go on and don't allow it to paralyze you. He says, one who rules his children in submission with all reverence. My little girl this past week, she said, I have a real trouble, I have a real problem and trouble um, doing what God wants me to do. And then she stopped and she goes, I need to talk to God more about that. And I thought, I, and I told her, I said, if you always will remember that your whole life, you got it. Because that's the bottom line. We're always going to find things, you know, that, you know, she also said, she, and, and I don't know where she came up with this, she said, I have a real problem cleaning my room. I need to talk to God about that. And I go, honey, that's it. That's the bottom line. That's where we're supposed to be in our relationship with God. He says, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he be able to take care of the church of God? This is one of the reasons why polygamy was forbidden. Hey, if you got more than one, anybody that's married knows if you got a wife, you're busy. You get a lot of them. Whoa, man. You're going to, Solomon had 600 wives and 300 concubines. That means he had 900 women in his life. Let's think about that for a minute. How many days are there in a year? Hmm, 300, 365. 900 women. I can just see him when he goes, honey, it's so good to see you. See you in three years. The guy was a busy guy. I don't know how he had time to even take care of anything in the kingdom, let alone the things of God. Well, the Bible says the love of many women turned his heart against God, and he was building. And you know, it's really weird. The wisest man the Bible says that ever lived was Solomon, and he is the one that formerly introduced idolatry into the nation of Israel because he was trying to appease his foreign wife. And by the way, many people believe he was marrying all these different kings' daughters and everything to form a world coalition. In other words, the kings to the north will never attack me because they would be attacking their own daughter. And so he had all these wives, all these kids, well, turned his heart against God. Well, as we read on here, not a novice lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. In other words, knowledge can puff you up. And and, and it's really a, a troubling thing because we always remember that anything we've really ever received, we've received from God. We always want to recognize that if, we, if God's taught us anything, that, that's because God's, you've had a direct uh, relationship with God. God's shown you that. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are on the outside, speaking on the outside of faith, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. What is that talking about? When we were building our church here years ago, I remember going around to some of the different places when we were buying concrete and stuff. And I remember one guy looks at us and he goes, you're a church? And I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to pay us? I go, 
yes, why do you ask? And he goes, because several of them that we've done work for were still waiting to get paid for years later. That's what it's talking about. In other words, they run up bills all over town, but because we're a church, some way that, that exempts us from having to pay our bills. I believe this is what's really important. So we want to have a good reputation. We've always paid all of our bills. In fact, everything we have here is paid for, um, and that's a good thing. Um, we, 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 want to, we want to be wise with what we have, and we want to treat people on the outside uh, with that. Moreover, must have a good testimony with those on the outside. Always remember that for us personally as well. Uh, if you owe everybody, uh, and you know, there's sometimes we just get ourselves upside down, inside out. What we want to do then is you want to go to them. If, if you owe somebody some money, don't blow it off. Just go and say, look, I'm short of money. I've had a lot of things go on. I wasn't counting on this illness or the motor blowing up in my car or whatever. I will pay you. Here's $10 a month. I want you to know I haven't forgotten you. That tells whoever you owe that at least you have a moral conscience that you recognize the debt rather than, rather than to say, hey, I'm not going to do anything. Because it's important. Because people need to know that we care. Because they go, yeah, they're a Christian. Yeah, they never pay me. No, we don't want that to ever be said. Likewise, deacons. Now, these are, you have the bishops, which are like the elders, and then the deacons are kind of the ones that, Take care and make sure everything in the, in, in, concerning the fellowship work right, works right. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given, notice this, too much wine, nor greedy for money. So almost the same, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. And I, again, we don't want to be shorting anybody. We don't want to be taking advantage of anyone. But let those who also were first proved then they let themselves serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You'll find many people who started out as deacons eventually end up as elders, and here's why. Uh, uh, because they, they, they were faithful over little things. In other words, you know, when cups are out of place or there's some trash or whatever, or somebody comes in and says, you know, something happened in the Sunday school, we need help. The elders are the ones that go and take care of that. We've got some great elders here that take care of things and uh, with the offerings and all the different things that go on here. Thank God for them. I thank God for those that pray for people up on Sunday morning and, and, and those, those, those are, it's all the way church works. Paul writes these things to Timothy to encourage him, to know that there is an order and a respect that is needed for things to work right. And again, when we see an entire society as our country is today falling into anarchy, and friends, it is anarchy. Um, we realize when you see that no matter what happens, whatever political side of the fence you're on, I don't care what it is, but when you see these Antifa people out there breaking windows out of, out of buildings and, and smashing cars and lighting them on fire, uh, that's pure anarchy and no government ever should tolerate 
that. These people need to be put away for 25 years. I guarantee you it'll stop. But our government is an anarchy. Everything is falling apart. Do you think the Antichrist is going to come on the world scene with all the answers, with all, all the governments of the world falling apart? I believe it's all part of prophecy. I believe what we see in, I believe, a direct fulfillment. If you have a chance, you might want to look at this. Luke chapter 21, Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Jerusalem, Israel had their year of jubilee in October. Fifty years it's been under the control of the Jews. It's now theirs again. A month and a half after, our president recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Do you realize that someday Jerusalem will be the capital of the world? Not Moscow, not New York, not Washington, D.C., not Dubai. It will be Jerusalem, Israel will be the capital of the world. Here's why I think that's important. Because what it says on. Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Friends, I think we're there. I think we're seeing something different than we've ever seen before. I just want to encourage you in your relationship with God, stay faithful, love Jesus, look for opportunity. You say, well, Mike, you don't understand the temptations that I get. We all get temptated. Remember, it's a trick. It's a lie. It's not true. The devil's the master of, of making something evil look good. And, and, and if we don't see life through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, we're going to begin to say, yeah, yeah, that looks good. You know it'll feel good. Not realizing the horrible hook that's in it. I just want to encourage you. Be about your father's business. Know that there's an order to things. Let God be. And you know, again, I hear so many things that are taught. It just scares me to death. There's a fairly well-known guy that teaches, and he'll say something like, when you're in trouble, you don't know what to do, just look for that inner light within you. Do you know there is nowhere in the Bible ever that says to look within you for the answer? The Bible says to look unto Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, yeah, that's true. He might be living within you. But the prefaces of that statement is never that you have to be born again. So if we're going around thinking that the answer lies within us, it doesn't, friends. It's in heaven. It's your relationship with God. And this morning, if you're not right with God, if you found as we read some of these things, you say, well, I'm guilty of some of these things. You need to repent. That's all it is. There's no penance to pay. Jesus paid the price for you on the cross. But it does mean we repent, and that means we ask God to help us stop doing those things. Now, I never want to say to God, and I I want this to be balanced, I never want to say to God, well, God, if you'll forgive me, I promise to never, ever do that again. And then guess what? We find ourselves doing it again. We go, oh, man, I'm never going to ask God for... No, you say, God, you forgive me, and with your help, I won't do it again. You see, repentance requires us to change the way we think about it. And God will do that. And so this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you go, Mike, I'm guilty of these things. 
Hey, we're all guilty of these things. That's why we have a Savior. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked God to forgive you, we're going to do that right now. And you can pass, the Bible says, from death unto life in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I invite you into my life today. I recognize I'm a sinner. I've lived without you. My life has only been about me. And I'm not happy. I don't want another 10 years like I just had. So today, make me a new creature in you. I want my life to mean something in eternity. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be bold about the love that you have given me. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.